Brandon. Hey, Alan. And welcome to Dice Over Everything. So earlier we were talking about TV shows and how all the TV shows we really like keep having more seasons and And they don't keep getting better. And yeah, they just get worse and worse and worse. And yet we still crave that new hotness. Or wouldn't that be what? Oh, you still hope it's the new hotness, even though you've been going back for like season seven. Oh yeah, it's not the hotness anymore. It's not new and hot. It's, It's old and, well, it's not old. It's new and terrible. <laughs> yeah. So I think we wanted to talk today like, from that idea about the new hotness versus old classics. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And how, how it relates to minis and our obsession. And pop culture and everything, yep. Okay. So... Are we going to vent again about Game of Thrones now that Game of Thrones is over? Oh, I thought you were venting about Stranger Things. I was back then, but now I've moved on. Oh. I want to talk about something new and exciting, which is how Game of Thrones is terrible. Oh, okay. Well, that's because you haven't watched it. But I talked to my coworkers, mm-hmm. and my coworkers told me all about it, and that was enough because it was it was terrible. I'm glad I didn't watch it. I'm glad that uh, they tortured me and only got me to watch season seven, even though I thought that was terrible and I wasn't going to watch it. And they're like, "No, go watch it." I think I've said this before on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, where they tricked me into watching season seven. Yeah, there's totally things out there that are culturally relevant. I mm-hmm. feel the need to watch them just to be able to vent about them. What's better is instead, now you have this YouTube uh-huh. thing where you can, you, instead of watching the bad thing, you watch people complain about the bad thing and you get the gist of it. It's almost like Mystery Science Theater, if you know that, that old TV show, All that right. old classic TV show where they watch old movies and then they just make fun of it. That can make for good YouTube. Yeah, but. exactly. That's exactly what it is. I almost like Outrage Tube better than, than I don't know, like real reviews. Okay. Because like, I, mean, I, I want to re- I want to watch a YouTube video, not where they're e- even-handed and they're like, oh well, there's this thing that was good and this thing was terrible, but overall I didn't think it worked out that well, so it's like two out of five stars. No, I want that guy. That, you know, two out of five stars is not good, and especially considering that Game of Thrones used to be so good. I want them to come in with real passion and just, like, slag it. And sure, like, maybe maybe they'll have two sentences where they're like, yeah, there are some good things about it, but I'm not going to talk about that stuff, and I'm just going to go in for the kill and tell you why everything about this thing was so stupid. Are we going to talk about minis? Nah, it's okay. <laughs> so so there is... So there- there is kind there's, of there's a many... Song of Ice and Fire. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Which but, relates but they, to but they haven't Thrones. reached that point yet, have they? Uh, I don't know. Oh, maybe. Uh, they, uh, they've thrown some things in there that it just didn't need just to, just to yes, flush, just to keep going. Just to make going. it new and exciting. Uh, so, I guess, if, if we want to just kind of get in there, um, Game of Thrones has, I don't know, I guess, I guess they're going to do like a whole bunch of different factions. And they're just releasing... Uh, a Baratheon faction. So it started off with Starks and Lannisters, which is the classic battle, right? Yep. Then they added, um, what is it, the uh, the Boltons as a mercenary faction for no good reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, they added unit types for the Boltons, which didn't make any sense. They were never in the book, never in the yeah, TV and, uh, show. And didn't it didn't make sense theme. in the world, mm-hmm. but whatever. They threw that in there because they need a mercenary faction. And fun fact, I was listening to this podcast uh, by... They, they were interviewing the main creator of Song of Ice and Fire uh, miniature game. And he said that his favorite faction was the Boltons. Was it? His last name was Bolton. 
Oh, well then. Ah, twist. So, <laughs> so I, I can't remember his name. Um, and that's why when I realized, oh, that's why their, their uh, units are so cool mechanically and almost none of them make sense. Well, to be fair, the dog one makes sense. All right, I haven't, I've not played the Boltons, so I can't. Okay, so, yeah, but their heavy cavalry doesn't make any sense. Their heavy mercenary cavalry being the strongest, toughest cavalry is stupid. And maybe it exists because the uh, the, the main the, designer... The, the creator <laughs> had, a pet, pet, had a pet yeah, project. Yeah, a pet faction. Just like how you always worried for every game. Like, why does this faction keep being overpowered over and over? It's like, yeah. oh, that's just the... Like a War Machine with the... With Signar being Signar OP and over and over. stupid girl, what's her name? Haley. Uh, Haley is Who every... had no personality. Mm-hmm. She was the Mary Sue of that game. And she just kept winning yeah. for no reason. <laughs> I wish they had made her more they, they kept making, something. They started making statues of her in large format. Yeah, and, for... and like it's not like all of their other characters were well fleshed out, but at least they had personality, mm-hmm. even if it was stereotype personality. Like, uh, Sorsha was the stereotype ice queen. The Russian ice queen, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know... The butcher was just the... Yeah, the, the mad whatever, the berserker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but, but Haley, she was just uh, she was like the stereotype Mary Sue with yeah. no personality that for some reason everyone loves and has some sort of uh, uh protective instinct, mm-hmm. and, and or they want they yeah it was, it was terrible. Even Stryker, who was the equivalent uh, boy version, at least for some reason they decided to give him an arc where he becomes or he does things, yeah. where he goes and. Does he kill a bunch of civilians or lets a bunch of civilians get killed and then comes back in the end? Like, he does that... They tried to write an arc for him where he starts off being the fresh, uh, young, fresh-faced uh, guy and then he goes and becomes darker and then he's supposed to come back. That's why the middle version is able to kill anyone with his super buff. Okay. That, that's the story, that he's... In, the, in between, he goes all, like, murder spree and then comes back in the third version to be protector of the people again. That was supposed to be his arc. At least they tried. Well, at least they gave him a story. Haley's Haley's arc mm-hmm. is, oh, I'm awesome and young and up and coming. Then I become even awesomer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, and then, then I'm several people at once, so I have every yeah, version of oh, me. Oh, and now I'm a Time Lord. Mm-hmm. That was her arc. And you're like, uh, that's terrible. All the Time Lords that I watched in uh, from Doctor Who were more interesting, obviously. Because everyone is more interesting than than her. But only from season nine onwards. Is that where you're supposed to start? For what? For Doctor Who? No. No? No, season nine was... Actually, the last few seasons haven't been super good. Well, then, maybe we'll never get around to watching it. No, but the other seasons, the first few, the first seven seasons, probably, uh, there are good episodes throughout. The last season, there was like... Maybe no good episodes. Maybe one good episode. Oh, no, no, no. One episode that is watchable relative to the others. Uh-huh. Your, your IMDb rating is three. I get uh, it. Yes, it's really not very good. I think they, they really need to fire the uh, showrunner and get a new showrunner, but they're probably not going to. No, they never do. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, just like... <laughs> I think back to uh, Game of Thrones and... Well... And their showrunners who ruined the term D&D, because I don't know why they were called that. Well, it's because their names start with 
50, I think. David and David? All David right. and Dan, I think. Dan and David. Anyways, on the internet, now if you look up D&D, it's not just Dungeons and Dragons, which are both okay concepts, depending on what you're into. It just refers to all... Now it all refers RPGs. to these really, really annoying guys that were the showrunners for, uh, for Game of Thrones, who destroyed Game of Thrones, who created a good show, and then once they ran out of uh, being able to crib off of George R. R. Martin, they created a crappy show. Oh, so this is what happens when you search for D&D content? For D&D content online? Or is it just because Google's algorithm has figured out that you I keep searching for Game of Thrones and that you like RPGs, it's combined them. That's true. And you like complaining. It's got all of them in one, the algorithm. Yeah, maybe. And they, That's they sort of scary. are probably also looking for uh, things where they just tear, tear into Game of Thrones, because I, like I said, I really like being... Uh, not me personally. I like reading other people being <laughs> really mean to other, uh, uh, I don't know, bad stuff. So is there a minigame we want to be bad it's to? It's not even bad. It's, no? It's... Disappointing, it's really? Bad, disappointing. Yes. yes. It's, it's all about getting expectations up and then just yes. having them fall off a cliff. Yeah. Like... Yeah, I don't mind if someone is just bad, right? It's like, okay, you, mm-hmm. you know, you're just learning and you're figuring things out. But if you're cocky and bad... Mm-hmm. Now I need to have fun by making fun of you to even out uh, the pain that you're putting me through. It's deserved. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so let's just say that. So I guess that comes into the thing of the old classics. If you've got an old classic game out there, mm-hmm. and, and I mean you've become attached to it, mm-hmm. it's like 40k that's been around forever, and you have your factions that've been around mm-hmm. forever, and they do something with them you don't like. You're like. What's gone wrong with these people's heads? Yeah, that's basically they, what happened with 40k. Mm-hmm. Where it stopped just being silly and they tried to make it more competitive, or they... I think, like we were... Or they kept guess, trying... Like mm-hmm. our topic was saying, they, they kept on trying to make things new, different, tweak it. Yep. And I think we talked about this before. Uh, uh, 40k is on its 8th edition, right? And then we played, and there was like the giant hype train, right? Because uh, Games Workshop is now really good at online marketing. Yep. Uh, And they're saying, oh, this is like the best 40K version yet. And then after we played, I played a bit, I was like, I think third was better. And then we went back and played, and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, third is better. Yeah, we played that, and it was still enjoyable. Yeah. I don't know if it it could have been nostalgia, but... It was not nostalgia. Mm Mm-hmm. I literally played... It literally a, just played smoother. Yeah, it played more smoothly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it it just made... Uh, there was not as much broken AP stuff like they have now. They didn't have broken systems that they keep on porting over. Uh, it oh, was, from previous editions? Yeah, it was... Well, the army lists were well tweaked, and the the rules in general were, were decent enough for the size that we were playing. Uh, and uh, on top of that was the last thing oh yeah we did tweak thing, a, a couple of things that they did learn that was broken in the original game but overall it was it was good I, I, like like I said I've been playing well I played a bunch of other 40k games in the 8th edition so I don't think it's nostalgia mm-hmm. like there's nothing nostalgic that I feel for I don't know the AP system. <laughs> oh, yeah, for a tiny part of the game that's not even not part of the fluff, not something you're, yeah, not something that makes the gameplay. 
yeah, so I've, I've been playing those armies just in shittier rules called the Edition. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. no one, You're never going to find a group that only plays the Edition anymore. No, of course not. Because it is old and... Everybody wants the new. Yeah. Yeah. And they all want the new, and they're like, oh, well, uh, that's too bad that eighth is worse than third, or or maybe they would say fifth or whatever. If that's when they started, maybe. A lot of people think that fifth is the the overall best version. Mm -hmm. Now, we didn't play fifth. Maybe actually it is better than I played quite a bit fifth. What did you think? Oh, it didn't didn't feel that... Well, some certain codexes were overpowered, but the core rules themselves weren't that hard to follow. Mm. So... I didn't have the complaints about the core rules. It was just balance. Which, yeah. Which they've never. Which truly that's true. When gotten. we when we started mm-hmm. at the beginning, even though there were definitely like if you if you flip through that book in the first rule book, uh, in the back of the because we we played from the very very beginning rules when they just had the that of, sheet of army lists of the third edition ones. Yeah. Right mm-hmm. uh, they weren't. They still weren't perfectly balanced. But the surprising thing is. They might have been the most balanced <laughs> that they were throughout the entire game, like before they started releasing codexes. Because as soon as they started releasing codexes, they I don't know they they didn't they didn't really compare things back in relation to the starting point in the rulebook. Yeah, who knows? They didn't test things very well. It could be. Yeah, so it maybe also... they only tested the initial set, and they're like, oh, okay, let's not test it. That was really really boring. Let's never test again. <laughs> It could be the hate testing. That's these days, of course, you don't expect that, because the internet now exists, and they can just get other people to do it for them. Because other people, everyone wants to play with the new hotness, so you just get volunteers to do it. Mm-hmm. But if you look at um, certain games, certain games have decided to like go all in on that. Uh, like War Machine now has an open beta testing cycle, mm-hmm. and they're constantly having people test it. But I think that actually was. Uh, not a great idea. No, if everybody can get access to it, then well, yeah, you're, no one. It, it ruins there being a conventional format that people just can't. Yeah. People and, can't meet to play and expect to be having the same experience. And here's or, here's the problem: testing things is work, and when you're testing things, uh, you're testing them because they might be broken. Mm-hmm. So if you have your players do all of your testing for you. Uh, that's not as fun as just playing a game that's already been tested. No. So you're asking your players to do work for you. Now you're now you're and wondering now if you're playing properly or if it's the <coughs> game that's broken. Yeah, and and your players are not going to have as much fun because testing is not a, generally for most people as fun as playing the game. Yep. You just trick them into doing work, and then they might not tell you that they don't like doing work, but they'll just realize you know what for some reason this game is less this game fun is now. less fun than it used to mm-hmm. be before I started having to do work for the for, for the company right so this is so if you give people too much new all the time it can actually detract from the playing experience that way um that's if you if you give them work like having to test the stuff mm-hmm. then yeah I think that that'll be not necessarily great okay but they've got to sort of try and fix the game themselves. Yeah, I think mm. there's... I guess I guess if we want to just talk in general, instead of just, just about the testing thing, I think that's a very specific type of way that you can get the, the players interested in new things. Um, but just in general, like we talked about how... I think there's, there's a big complaint going on in Infinity, and not just Infinity, in 40K, 
in a lot of these uh, expanding games, right? Not just in, in miniature games, although it's prevalent there. Um, and games constantly changing and constantly getting new updates and, and it almost making it hard for players to get their bearings, like you were saying, right? Yeah, and especially for newer players. Yeah. So, sort of if they pick up the original <coughs> rulebook and read something in that original rulebook, mm-hmm. the game might have moved on from that state and you no longer like if you you no longer feel like you even understand the game if you read the rulebook. Yeah, it's it's too confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you even if you uh, if you're only playing, I don't know, once a week, then every single time you come in there's a, and there's a new thing, if it's 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 almost super pleasurable if you're expecting it and you're always ready for just that one new thing. But if there's a new if, thing if, every week, you can never take a, a break from yeah, it's basically if there's a new thing, more than than you have time to absorb it. Yep. So if, and of course that's going to be different depending on how often your players play. Mm-hmm. Like for us, Infinity, we play every week, so, so it's so we we keep up with it on yes. a frequent basis. Yeah. It's a, but for people who only came out once a month, yep. If the new releases for that month came out with four new things. For them to keep up with it, what that did yep. the game would be pretty overwhelming. Yeah, it's which, too much. Which isn't actually what happens in the game because they sometimes replace things uh-huh. or they re-sculpt things. Yeah. So it's it's not quite that pace, but it's pretty close. But yeah, we have, you have to be uh, careful about that. And mm-hmm. I think uh, War Machine uh, went too much on the other end where there was too much stuff coming out and too much stuff changing. And the stuff already there was huge. So basically no one could catch up yeah, if you fell behind at any point, it would take quite a bit to catch back up if you're a casual player. Yep. So I guess this is... I think we talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just... So... We, I think people need... We need, we need to kind of contrast that between um, having a, a smaller, tighter, slower experience. Mm-hmm. Right? So on the one hand, people always want something new and exciting right this is what kind of helps people come in every week and play it it helps uh, to keep out that part of the player base engaged yeah, and get, yeah but if if you have other people who um are never experienced all have haven't experienced all the content you have already mm-hmm. then you throw them more content that's like almost too much content for them to take and yes. at some point they might start drowning in, it's information in overload basically yes that's what you commonly call it so yeah, I guess the question is the balance between the two. A lot of the games, like at the beginning of the game, it makes perfect sense where there's not that much content out there yet mm-hmm. to keep releasing more and more. But once the game gets to be older, the people there's still the people out there demanding it, but then the mm-hmm. people at the beginning of it sort of have no idea where it's gone. Yeah. Also, you don't want to. They don't know where to start. Exactly. So there's also the part about the old classics in the game that mm-hmm. say if we went back to playing. 40k mm-hmm. they, if they didn't have around like Mephiston and you didn't have your X-Search around mm-hmm. that you were expecting you'd be like oh this isn't even I can't do anything like I did before it feels like everything I played before is totally gone now you want constantly changing it well if they don't at least keep some of the original content around okay like so, you could, I think, say when so you, you're saying so one way to make sure that new people aren't uh, confused or, mm-hmm. or overloaded is to shrink how much stuff is out there. Yep. 
And but on the other hand, if you keep on shrinking things, if you're you, also cutting stuff and leaving things behind. And anyone that tries to come back or see something cool from from a previous catalog, they might be disappointed when they can't actually use that or or um, consume that content. Yeah, they'll feel alienated because the whole the whole game they played before will be gone. If, it, if you say take took away a whole model range, or basically completely replaced all the models in that faction, say it was still the same faction, but they turned over all the units slowly. Mm-hmm. If somebody came back, they feel like, oh, I've got no base to work from. Mm-hmm. Whereas if there was sort of a, if they kept the core uh-huh. intact, the people would be happy coming back. There wouldn't be too much. It would sort of re- reduce the churn of knowledge mm-hmm. so that people can always say okay I know the base of this and they know what's beyond that and if the parts that are considered beyond are in flux then at least people know where to look for the changes so I think mm-hmm. that might be a better model so I guess if we think about it as uh, video games yep. um, let's say uh, Starcraft versus Starcraft 2 so Starcraft is a real time strategy game uh, but when they changed over to Starcraft 2 they didn't they they kept the basic they kept uh, the basic troopers intact mm-hmm. and the basic troopers but a lot of the peripheral ones they changed right or, or moved or changed but the core guys are there to help i guess give a give a through line to the experience as well as the gameplay and as well as the factions right mm-hmm. so it's it's being able to tell that line to keep things interesting without throwing everything out of whack Whereas, I don't know, what game do you want to think? Another game? Where they threw, where they what's threw, a game where they threw everything out of whack by getting rid of too much stuff? <sighs> Would X-Wing be that way if you think they overturned everything? Or that it's just necessary for the redo of the rules so they couldn't keep anything from the old cards? But they did keep... They kept the them, ships themselves. The ships. Yep. In fact, I think X-Wing is an example of there being too many ships. So they, they should have kept the base ships and then sort of tossed some of the <laughs> extras like in wave and 5 plus, be like, no, some of these things are gone. Yeah, I think they tried to, to bring everything back mm-hmm. uh, and usable, but that was just too much stuff already. So, um, yeah. And then on top of that, the problem with them is that when they were trying to release some sort of new hotness, right? Because um, because they created second edition, which is brand new, but then they let you use all your old stuff immediately with all these new rules, which means that at the very beginning there was all this new content, but like uh, a month after that, they were already out of new content and they had to that start... made sense that mm-hmm. people were used to. So they started having to make new stuff, and they had to release ships that nobody gives a crap about. That no one had heard of before, and they're just yeah. pulling them out of the butts. I think, <clears throat> are they doing Clone Wars now? Or maybe they're doing Clone Wars for the miniatures game? Oh, I haven't paid attention to either. Clone Wars? Yeah, who's really? this? That's, that's not capitalizing on any nostalgia. Yeah, well, to be fair, there's a bunch of kids that watch the Clone Wars cartoon. Okay. That's your demographic. Nobody cares about the TV shows, or the, the movies, about the Clone Wars. So no. literally, you just have only the people that watched the... Uh, the animated TV The animated series. series, and apparently didn't watch the movies because they'd have a really bad feelings about it. <laughs> yeah, it would, the, the it would have the opposite effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe if we're talking about a game where they did a huge overhaul, you might go to Warhammer Fantasy, where they sw- when they switched over to Age <sighs> of Sigmar. Oh yeah, that's true. <clears throat> where <clears throat> they just burned the whole thing down. Uh, yeah. 
Actually, that that is definitely true. And what happened? I'm sure they made a. Well, it's only now, how many years later, started to really Re- see age, again. people have really sort of accepted Age of Sigmar into their hearts, where people put their Age of Sigmar armies on the armies on the table, and they're like, mm-hmm. they're really enthused about it, and like, yeah, I've had this for yeah. a while, and now it's really here. But it's almost. Um, I wonder how much of it is a different demographic. Like, I think Age of Sigmar mm-hmm. did what GW wanted. It revitalized their fantasy line. Yep. But I think it was partially a cut from their old line and their old fans. Like, there's still... I guess there's some fans that came back, right? But a lot of the old fans just moved on. They wanted right? to do... They, okay. I wasn't. I didn't play fantasy, so I can't comment entirely. I yeah, just but know. you... you, can t- you you've, you know, when we go and play Infinity or when we talk with other people, you hear people talk about their old fantasy armies or not, and, right? And you know whether and you know and you know whether they're and playing you know Age of Sigmar. They have an Age of Sigmar army, yeah, now. because mm-hmm. we talk about all these different games, right? And we see so, them in the store if they bring their armies into. Yeah, if if they so. play mm-hmm. Age of Sigmar at, at the store, so. so, or if they get excited about mm-hmm. the Age of Sigmar releases, so obviously that would have been hard for them to transition some of the armies over or some of the core core parts of the armies into the new game because they, they completely revamped the look of all the factions. Yeah. So there wasn't m- much left to pour it over. They basically just terminated the game. Um, no, some of the factions no? poured it over fairly... Oh, they didn't. Almost all of them got redesigned. Yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to think of. What got ported. the vampires. Mm-hmm. Only the vampires and skeletons. Because they were some of the more the recent armies. Empire is basically gone. Uh-huh. Replaced by the Sigmarines, right, as the main good guy faction. Yep. Uh, Bretonians are gone. Uh, the Wood Elves are now tree men. Uh, I don't remember their name. And they're mostly trees, actually, yeah, <laughs> instead but... of elves. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else is there? The High Elves are now like uh, vampire. Vampire, uh, vampire mermaids. Yeah. Oh, those. Yeah. yeah. They look Mermaid cool. vampires. I'm... Yeah, they're, they're cool, but that, that's basically their new high elf range. Mm-hmm. Uh, their dwarves now and fire slayers are now like naked. Bondage people. Naked. Yeah. They're not bondage. They're, they're just like. They just have a lot of leather. They're naked. They just, they just have a leather no, they're fetish. just naked Vikings. Yeah. They, they, yeah. Don't have, they don't have that many straps? No, they, they just have like a helmet mm-hmm. and like a loincloth. Loin okay, there's no straps. So they're the opposite. Right. They're just. They're just free range, ripped, short, ripped guys running around with axes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you're right. The Dark Elves are now uh, Daughters of Cain, which is like these uh, snake people, basically. I think the Witch Elves are still technically there. Cha- oh, Chaos? Chaos, maybe. Chaos is the same. Chaos yeah. Demons. Oh, the Demons basically are all there. The same, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. See, chaos demons are the same. <laughs> There's the nostalgia that you so, move on from the old ones so, and bring over to the new yeah, game. So not every faction. So very few of the factions kept going. So because because if you play a yeah, game, it's, it's if, basically what? It, oh, it's, oh, oh, Skaven too. So Skaven. Yep. Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's the bad guys actually. Skaven and the chaos skeletons, mm-hmm. uh, and then the four factions of chaos. So Zinch. Nurgle, Slanish, Slanish just came back, but and it's Korn. basically the same mm-hmm. design. And Corn. Did I say Zinch? Yep, that was the first one. Did I say Nurgle? Yep, those are the first three you named. How come I, I was... 
Oh, I must use my thumb. Yeah. I was counting my fingers, and, uh, and I, I was like, wait, wait, we got the last one. No, wait, that's five fingers. Uh, <laughs> so I guess for a lot of games, people, if it's their main game, they don't uh-huh. two factions. Because once you get really into the game, you've built one faction, uh-huh. and you want to branch out into another. Yeah. So if you kept enough of the factions around from the game, if you, say, felt you had to do a whole overhaul and toss some factions out the window, mm-hmm. the if you tossed, like if you didn't toss nearly all of them like they did in Fantasy to Age of Sigmar, then mm-hmm. you'd hope most people would still have one of their two armies still in there to give them a base to start the new one. But in that, clearly, like as we talked about how many they kept from from Fantasy to Age of Sigmar, they kept less than a well, third. Well, it would have worked like. if your two factions were Zinch and Korn. Yeah. And <laughs> you'd be, it would be fine. You'd have to lend your friends an army, I don't know, <laughs> until they built a new one. Or until it came yeah. back. Well, uh, that, that's the thing, mm-hmm. right? That's that's kind of the thing where people just have to keep on moving forward, right? They they can't, um, or they don't want to stick with the old stuff. And well, no, I guess some people do. Some people do want to stick with the old stuff. Oh yeah. And they do, but they there are numbers that as we, as we talked about before. You just get attrition where they slowly stop caring, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not just in miniatures games. In any kind of hobby or culture right like the number of people that care about Battlestar Galactica now yeah exactly even though there was a remake and it was great now it's what being over 10 years 15 years oh you're talking about from the original Battlestar Galactica or you're t- from the like for even the reboot I mean okay mm-hmm. from the original no one gives a crap oh no, some people do <laughs> yeah right but it's it very create that, very small but it didn't create that many new fans for the well I guess they would have helped contribute to the hype for the uh-huh. new one if, yeah. it just, if it had no predecessor, it wouldn't have gotten mm-hmm. nearly the same hype mm-hmm. coming from new to old. Yeah, and now they have uh, even their new one though. How many fans are there now? Right, as as soon as you kind of have something that's old, even if it's good, like none of my nieces know about Battlestar Galactica really, mm-hmm. because they weren't raised where Battlestar Galactica was a thing, even though it was good before. Right. In fact, a lot of them, they don't know a lot of the classics, right? Uh, just of, of TV, right? They don't know any TV classics or whatever because it's not new anymore. It's not what's on TV. And for some reason, people don't want to go out and search for the, for old, the classics. old classic things. Yeah. yeah. And you look at even even for us, right? We have, like, I, I was what, 23 or 24 before I started thinking, hey, wait. There's lots of great classic media. Why do I keep on looking for this new, like the newest good TV when I have, or, or book, when I haven't read that many of the old good books and the old good TV? Really? What I've heard about, like, not that good, what I've heard good about reading fantasy books is that everybody only reads old fantasy and nobody ever looks no, for No, everybody book. reads Lord of the Rings. Yep. <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. oh, and, and, well, the, and, La, and uh, Narnia. Yep. What, what other old fantasy do people read? You know that the D&D and everything was based on this, like, Warcock stuff and the Turtle Champions? Do you know about that? Nope. Literally, I only know about that because I, I watched uh, some YouTube video about some some guy who loved that stuff. And he just started talking about it. And he's, he's very, very good speaker. Okay. I'm also thinking about just, like, sci-fi books. Uh-huh. The, most of them you think, most of the really popular ones are from, like, 80s almost. What, like, Foundation? Yeah, things like that. Stranger like, in a Strange Land? Yeah, but I didn't read any of those until I was in my 20s. Oh, now, well, we, you, we hear about them, but a lot of the, what do you call it, the mainstream people, right? Unless you, you're the kind of person that really gets into it, 
how much of the old stuff have you read? Oh, like really old sci-fi? Yeah. Or all... have you, you have you read Stranger in a Strange Land? I only yep. read, read that like six, seven years ago. Uh, what other classics? Foundation series. Mm-hmm. First two, three. Isaac Asimov, and then mm-hmm. I Robot. Didn't read that. That's or I might have read. That's a classic. It's supposed to be one of the classics. What other ones are there? Uh, Arthur C. Clarke is supposed to have written a lot of stuff. I can't really think of one. I only read some short stories by him. Uh, what is it? The Gripping Hand? Is that a? Doesn't ring a bell. So what is the classic, the sci-fi then you're talking about? I'd like to know. Ugh, I have to go. I read a bunch of Philip K. Dick. Yep, those were classics. Yeah, but most of it is not very good, honestly. <laughs> I think I think um, I only like I read no, a lot a lot of his stuff. Not I just of, finished Ubik. Not all of them are classics. I read Ubik, which is supposed to be his apparently his best book about uh, some guy. Who, I guess it's the idea of. I don't even know. I don't even know how to describe it because it takes so many twists and turns. I'm not even sure how to to talk about the book without spoiling it. It's about Ubik, and Ubik is some sort of stand-in for everything. Okay, Mm -hmm. let's just say that. Uh, It was not very good, and this is supposed to be one of the. I don't know. His one of his best books or his best book, his masterpiece. Then it makes you unsure of which part's reality, but really it falls for the was it just a dream twist? Um that's not my problem with it. I think the problem was that it was not coherent mm-hmm. um as a story. So are is this podcast actually just about bashing things that we don't like <laughs> uh, that is exactly where we started but okay but on the other hand I did like A Scanner Darkly I think that is his actual best book yeah. I've only watched the movie and that was I don't know if that's going to be good going to be good it's, it's old now well I've never watched it well now that Keanu Reeves is one of the biggest action stars around you could go watch it yeah it's any good it's mediocre <laughs> It's it's interesting just to see their weird use of cell shading. It, no, it I, didn't. I don't think it worked. Uh, the thing is, don't. the book is about drugs and burnout. Yeah, I think they tried to go for a weird visual style to try and yeah. capture that, and I don't, I don't necessarily know if it worked. Yeah, so it might have been too far before its time. Like if you think of uh-huh. Into the Spider Verse now, uh-huh. where they tried to make use of like all the bright, crazy colors they can get with computer mm-hmm. animation, that succeeded. Yeah. But yeah. I think Scanner Darkly was trying to do the same thing with the movie, uh-huh. where they wanted to try something new and use like They're the trying self- to make you experience that kind of through, overdose on drugs through and visually, like that. Mm-hmm. but not so much. Yeah. Hey, they were trying something new. Yeah. Well. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know about. Actually, even though sci-fi is like my favorite genre, I basically mostly like Foundation. (laughs) Maybe it's Foundation is my favorite book, and maybe sci-fi is not my favorite genre. Maybe it's actually fantasy? No, I don't like that many fantasy books. Now that I think about it, Mm -hmm. name a fantasy book. Name a fantasy book? Yeah, and I'll tell you if I read it and I liked it. 
Ugh, I don't read that much fantasy. I did read, though... I thought you were just going to say Lord of the Rings. No, because that's, that's too easy to name. Oh, okay. But the last thing I did read was fantasy. Uh-huh. It was the first Law trilogy, only because uh-huh. it was recommended by people in our yeah. gaming group. How was it? How was it? It was relatively new. It was actually like relatively new for fantasy. Mm-hmm. And? It was pretty good. Yeah? It was, the writer's decent. Like That's one of my main criteria for uh-huh. books. If the writer is just not yeah. a good writer... And can't, no like, matter how good their plot is, it's not going to work for you. No, I'll just I'll feel like it's making me stupider. <laughs> if, I if I have to correct the guy's uh, writing and grammar, mm-hmm. then I can't pay attention to, to the the plot, no matter how good it is. If my English as an engineer is more intricate uh-huh. than their English, it's uh-huh. a no go. Yeah, more more evocative and mm-hmm. and passionate. Exactly. <laughs> About your steel girders that have to be this size, just so. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I look back and I I liked a lot of fantasy when I read it, but I don't think most of the fantasy that I've read really is up there. Like I think my favorite fantasy novel is The Hobbit, honestly, and it might be because of nostalgia. First of all, I never finished Lord of the Rings, so right, but it was so boring in parts that I just didn't finish it. Oh, I had to skip parts. Don't worry. Yeah, I, I just stopped. I just stopped. I was like, I, I, I can't. If I have to not read parts of your book, I'm just gonna stop. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, a, yeah. It's probably why it's better to get books on ebooks now. So if mm-hmm. you you don't have to physically throw the thing away when you're done, you can just forget about it. It just disappears off into the ether. <laughs> it just goes down further and further oh, in the yeah. list. i you know, I mentioned I guess for a, a long time mm-hmm. ago, uh, we talked about me starting uh, the culture series. I literally have not read it since last time we talked about it, which was, what, four months ago? While on holidays? Yeah, while on holidays. Well, the only way I started reading the Third Law Trilogy was be by being on holidays. Otherwise, yeah, I, never I would never have started it. it. I guess I should read it. It was not bad. I feel like I should read it. I think especially since uh, for uh, Starpiercer, we're trying to... Create a world that's sort of in the similar... Not quite that futuristic of a state, but no, it's quite similar. The state it's um, reached where yeah, I, th- I feel like we want to push it further than most uh, fan- mo- most, most sci-fi, sci-fi pushes where, it. Where people still have to be at the throttle of the spaceship. Yeah, where they have to push down on the thing with their hands. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Everything is post-human. Because yep. I think that's where we are right now, right? It's We, we can see the writing on the wall. We, it's going to go post We already drive our airplanes with AI. Yeah. It's not so, driven exactly. by Exactly. Airplanes, for the most part, are not driven by people. Yeah. So, if we're already there... Um, I think that's where we have to go, right? So on top of that, though, we, we do, I think, have to to pay attention to this. I don't know what, how to write well, how to make things interesting, how to not how to create, engaging, how to create something. How to create engaging characters that aren't just Mary Sue's, like Haley. Yeah, and, and not have uh, people hate us or our stories and mm-hmm. just turn off. Like, I think we talked about this before, right? We were, we're going to use, we, ha- we have to use people, I think, to draw people in, right? Which yep. is, uh, but... Because just describing a chronological history of the faction mm-hmm. doesn't really bring people into it. I mean, some people are interested in like yeah, me, yeah, I like that. But when you when you pull up the forty k book, you're like, oh, what was happening in the twentieth millennium? The twentieth millennium? No, they didn't go that far back in the history. I don't believe. Oh wait, the twentieth millennium is fine. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm just thinking. For some reason, I thought the second millennium. I'm like, whoa, I don't want to know about that. No. But the twentieth millennium, sure, why mm-hmm. not? Um, they could do a Warhammer 20k 
30K is the Horus Heresy, right? Mm -hmm. Warhammer 20K would be posthuman? No, Warhammer 20K is on Earth. Because of the warp storms that stop them from going outside of... That's during the Eldar's, like... What is it? It's 20K. Isn't 20K like when Slanesh gets born? I haven't read the beginning of the books in right? so long. Because I... the Emperor... I don't quite remember. There's some period of time where Earth starts branching out, right? Mm -hmm. But then they become engulfed in warp storms. Because Slanesh is born. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, they're starting to reach out. Eldar dominates most of the galaxy. Then... Something goes wrong. Something goes wrong. In Elderland. El yeah, Elderland gets wiped out. This big, giant, ripping space-time fabric. Mm -hmm. Although they don't say it like that. It goes into a chaos world. Um... I don't know. That's not neither here nor there. No. Think about it. Oh, well, that's just that's just classic things yeah, you yeah. like. Where you like, <laughs> if they got rid of that from the universe, you'd be sad. What the chaos? Oh, the part about how chaos was created. That's just one one chaos god mm -hmm. was created. Yeah. I wonder if they would if they backported Slanish. If the idea, they probably have. Like what I mean is like Slanish is born in let's say the twentieth twentieth millennium. Okay. But that was the, the year he was born. But because he was, because chaos time works differently, even though he's born in the 20th century, I wonder if he still exists before that time. Because in, in the world of chaos, maybe time doesn't flow, doesn't necessarily have to flow in one direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That he was so, created in all time. No. Or he exists in all time, but mm -hmm. he was born in the 20th century. Mm, okay. Not 20th century, so the 20th millennium. But because of how the warp is, the warp doesn't just exist. In the 20th yeah. and beyond. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That would be interesting. What? That, that I might, feel like that that's might... probably what it is. There's no way that it wouldn't be that way. But, right? but they can't say that because it would just hurt people's heads. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, that's not in our, our universe. So No. I think There's oh, no time travel. Yeah. We would not create a universe with time travel. We would try to stick more to yeah. Newtonian physics. Time travel physics is of... too hard to do well. Mm -hmm. Your entire thing has to revolve around time travel because it's such a hard concept to do it correctly. Yeah. Uh, but I think last time we talked about it, we need to make it. We need to make sure that our uh, things are interesting, right, and not too dry. Which is, I guess, so like you said, you're a technical writer yes. as an engineer. And I've been doing technical writing yeah. all day. Yeah, very, and, very and not exciting. I, I'm totally into reading Wikipedia articles and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, we needed to make sure that it's above not... and beyond that, we make the world interesting for. What would you say, like normal people, for <laughs> other people, for casual readers? Sure. Yeah, yeah. For, for, for casual readers, or even us when we're just picking it up, right? Mm -hmm. It has to be exciting enough for us to. Because yeah, you think in of there. the characters that are really memorable in the games you play, and they're mm -hmm. very over-the-top characters. It's not the well in the games you play, not necessarily the novels you read. Yes. So. There could be characters like the counterbalance them that are more normal. But like the key characters in the yeah. story have to be. It is because you know we're playing war games, so mm -hmm. the fun of it is blowing up your opponent. So it's weird if you had someone who is level-headed in the, in that game, mm -hmm. right? You're not. You're not like you got to almost. What would you say? Lean in. Well, the machine. In some way or, mm -hmm. or another. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm wrestling with because um, the way that I still like the world has to make sense. I think, right? And I think that that. But the in some ways, might be a differentiating factor because most other stories do not, in in 
So the world. Opinion. So I guess the world can make sense, but then when it comes to the characters, the characters have to be more more eccentric, more flamboyant. Yeah. Almost archetypes. They have to be archetypes of whatever we're going for. Mm-hmm. Right. So that people very obviously pick up on who they are, and you can kind and of they, follow along and have fun. And, and that they have to be, be embodiments of sort of the the culture of each faction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other games where they actually get that to work really well. Obviously, the orcs in 40k. Uh-huh. All the characters in that embody what they do. They're yeah, all they're super fun and exciting. Um, <laughs> like we talked about War Machine, the ones that we liked, not Haley. Yep. But like the Ice Queen and the Butcher, are totally iconic. Way more interesting than the bland. What would you call it? more? They, more Haley is not realistic, mm-hmm. but you, maybe you could say Striker is a little bit more normal of a person, but he's less likable, uh, at least less interesting and and doesn't drag you in as, as quickly as the butcher and and uh, Sorsha who you just look at them you read three sentences and you know what you, they're about and you like it it's yeah. kind of fun and interesting yeah I suppose the the story for the evil factions the cricks in there the characters weren't some of the characters were engaging but most of the main ones were just sort of oh. self-serving well sort of made sense they were all just self-serving looking to gather as much power as possible some of them were kind of annoying Mm -hmm. um i actually found the two main ones denegra and asphyxious really bland and boring because again (laughs) i don't don't know maybe maybe that's they were okay so yeah they were almost too i don't know maybe this is the exact opposite of what i was saying before but they were kind of like too one-dimensional and their one dimension was annoying Whereas, I don't know, maybe you have some of those because maybe some people will be attracted. Everyone likes different things, right? Mm-hmm. For some reason, I'm okay with like a berserker who just goes crazy and kills all of his enemies every once in a while. And some of his friends. And some of his friends. Versus just, I don't know, Asphyxius, who is just an annoying, twirly, mustaching like, villain who just who just gets angry at anyone, everyone when his plans don't go off, but then always after his plans fail says, Ah, just his plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when really he's not I don't know that's like, oh but next episode I'll get you yeah and then mm-hmm. the, the other thing is anger I guess it can be relatable but I did find the other character like so Asphyxius is, is the you're whatever twirly well, I can't say twirly mustache uh, mustache twirling villain right mm-hmm. uh, so was Malathrax who never had a character right Malathrax, though, was way more interesting. First of all... Because he wasn't super strong. He was trying to he, work behind the scenes. He, mm-hmm. he might have been strong enough to fight people, but he never says he does, right? And you, you're in his kind of personality, and you see him kind of be mustache twirling, right? He's like, ah, yeah, oh, I can't actually fight. Although, as soon as someone attacks him, he, he does all this crazy stuff and kills them, right? And then you also hear, like... You're you're in his personality in in his viewpoint, and he starts thinking some like basically in his head talking shit about these other these other uh, lich lords, right? Mm-hmm. Which to me is much more interesting than Asphyxius, who's just like ah, I'm the best, I'm the most powerful. You guys all suck, and it's all going back to plan, right? That's much less interesting than Malthax, who's like ah, oh, this is blowhard, <laughs> or like oh yeah, I'm gonna go and use this guy and then take all the credit for it, right? That is. At least, I don't know, some motivation, a little bit of uh, personality, right? Yes. So it's just more interesting. Hmm. 
Girl. I, I guess. I don't know what you get out of that. <laughs> <laughs> about how you make characters and how you keep. Do you keep advancing the characters in interesting are, are, ways? Are we going to have to start taking writing classes now? I guess we should. <laughs> want to write interesting things. Or start reaching out and asking other people. Asking other people who are good writers. Yeah. To edit it so it becomes real, More not, interesting, not yeah. full on cheese. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Well, I guess we could ask the listeners what characters they think are well developed in games and if yeah. they want to give us their. What's your favorite character in games? Mm hmm. And what's your least favorite character? And, and if they were <laughs> that like you an, hate. And if they're like one of the OG characters that have always been in the universe, or one they introduced later and they managed to get a good one into the game later on. Yeah. Well, that's our uh, podcast about what is it? I guess it was supposed to be about new hotness and classics, but it's mostly just about ripping into things we don't like. Oh yeah. Characters we don't like and yeah. stories that we don't like. We'll find more. Don't worry. There's a lot, actually. I'm a big hater. All right. Well, thanks for liking us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This has been uh, Alan. It's been Brandon. All right. One last thing. Yeah. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, just like us wherever you're listening. Yeah. And if you want to keep track of our uh, work on Starpiercer, go to starpiercer.com. Or if you're on Facebook, go to our Starpiercer community. So that's basically it. Thank you. <laughs> Bye.